Hey, good morning. Welcome to Cultivate Church Online. If you're our guest today, thank you so much for tuning in. We're honored that you're here with us. We're in the final week of Come Alive. Before we dive into today's message, let's stand up, turn the volume up, and let's worship together. Hey, good morning, Cultivate Church. I am so glad that you're part of Church Online today. Look, I recognize that it's nothing like meeting together, and I can't wait to be together with you, but it is a lot of fun every week. At least I look forward to logging on with you Sunday mornings at 1030 so that we can enjoy worship together, and worship this morning was incredible, and so that we can enjoy the message together. And I've just got to tell you, I have noticed that many of you are really responsive online. Now, in church, sometimes you you guys can be quiet, but I see a lot of amens in the comments section. I see a lot of preach it in the comments section. So I just want to let you know, when we get back together and we're all in the room together, I want you to bring that back to church with you because I think it's just incredible getting to interact together. So I'm go- so glad uh, that you are tuned in to Cultivate Church online today. And I know that some of you are our guests today and you're not familiar with Cultivate Church. Maybe you've never been a part of a Sunday experience at Cultivate, but we're so glad that you're tuned in online today. Around here, we just think church should be fun. We like to throw a party. We like to laugh together. We have a good time. We have lots of little Debbie cakes at Cultivate Church because we say there's no calories in church. It's a fun place to be. It should be the number one day of the week. We like to end our week on Sunday and begin our next week on Sunday, and we can't think of a better way to do it than to do it together, living life on purpose at Cultivate Church. So church family, I love you. I miss you. Guest, we're so glad you're part of today. And I want to brag on you, church. I'm so thankful for the way that you're serving and the way that you're encouraging people and the way that you're reaching out to other people. This past uh, Friday, we had our blood drive at the church, and so many of you came, showed up, and gave blood. Many of you have been serving your communities and your neighbors and and people who needed food. And There's so many different ways that you guys are responding during this time, and I think you're absolutely incredible. That's what it means to live life on purpose. We say it all the time. The church is not a street corner. We're people. It's not a logo. We're people. The church is you and the church is me collectively working together and living our lives on purpose. But I'm glad that you're tuned in today. If you haven't already, go ahead and grab your message notes. There's a link there in the comments section or in the post title that you can download the message notes for today. You can print those out or you can do those digitally, whichever way works out best for you. But I'm excited about today's message. We are in the uh, conclusion of a series that we've called Come Alive. And all of this series comes out of Romans chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. That's at the very top of your outline, and here's what it says. And Christ lives within you. What good news today. What a great reminder. In the middle of everything going on, Christ lives in you. So even though your body will die because of sin, yes, we will leave this earth. We will not live here forever. Sin causes death and destruction. Even the people in the, in the Old Testament, even the people in the Bible, in the New Testament, throughout Scripture, where miracles took place, they all still died. When Jesus resurrected someone from the dead, oh, Lazarus, I love that story, he still died. There still is a finality to this life. But the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. There's something more to just this right here. Just this flesh and this bone and this experience of living on this earth. There's more to it because Jesus. 
The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will also give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. We can come alive because of what Jesus has done for us. In week one of this series, we talked about being buried by burdens. And I know that many of us are carrying burdens right now in the life that we're living, the uncertainty around us. And many of us are so drained and tired of this quarantine stuff. Some of you who were introverts are now becoming extroverts. You're finding the value of relationship with other people. And so you're carrying financial uh, burdens. You're carrying some physical burdens. You're carrying all of the worries and the weights of all the stuff that's happening right now in the world around us. And we talked about how God steps in to help us when we're buried by our burdens. And then in week two, Easter, we talked about how we can live again. That because of Jesus, because he went to the cross, he sacrificed his life and he overcame death, hell, and the grave that you and I, we have a promise to live again. And just what the power that raised Christ from the dead, the scripture tells us, lives in us. And so right now, the dead things of our life can be resurrected and we can live again. Last week, Pastor Brendan Doss talked about how we can live it out. How we take everything Jesus has done for us and we take it to the world around us. And then today, I want to talk about living beyond. I want to talk about eternity. I want to talk about heaven with you today. Because many of us, we get, we get lost in the concept that, you know, that this is all that there is. We get so overwhelmed with the here and the now. And I just believe that through God's word today that we take just a, just a moment of, of reflection of the life that we're living and we take a little moment of anticipation of what is ahead of us. Because everything that's happening in our life right now is relevant to what the Bible teaches about eternity. And I think that there are three different places that many of us find ourselves in in the respect to eternity. And so today, I want to talk to us about how we live beyond. And I think this is going to encourage some of us. I think it's going to motivate of us. I think for some of us, it's going to give us a little correction or direction. It's going to give us a realignment in our life. And so I want to pray and I want to ask God's Word to bless us today as we go forward together. So Father, I love you. What a beautiful opportunity. God, even online, that we know that your presence is here. No matter where we are, even if we're in a distracted room, even if we're still in our pajamas laying in the bed, Father, if we're on our, our mobile device walking around listening and watching, no matter what's going on around us, where we are, what we're doing, you're here. And so today, I just pray that we receive from your word. Father, I pray that our ears would be open to hear you today. God, not what's on the television, not what our mind is telling us, not what our heart is telling us, but we want to hear you speak. And I pray that you open our mind that we understand what it is that you say and open our heart that we retain it, that we're not just hearers of your word, but Father, we are doers. And you can help us to live this out, a life on purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk about three places of eternity today, where we are in our view and our lifestyle when it comes to the thought of eternity. And so wherever you are right now, just, just let go of the distractions. I know many of you got kids running all over the place. Pretend you're in the car headed to church and tell them, hey, we'll turn this car around or just reach behind you and just pop one of them. You know, whatever makes it normal for you for a Sunday morning. Because I really believe that God wants to challenge us in his word today. So when we talk about heaven, when we talk about the view of eternity, when we talk about to be able to come alive and live beyond this day, this here, and this now, I think there's three places that we find ourselves. And the first is this, is that we are a group of people, potentially this is you today, someone who is wishing for heaven. 
wishing for heaven. I think in our culture today, we believe like never before that heaven is a default. We think that no matter how we live or what we do, what we say or how we act, what our spiritual belief, our spiritual motivation, our spiritual core, our spiritual foundation, no matter what that is, we just anticipate that heaven is the default of life. The Bible teaches us very, very differently from the concept that our culture today would teach us in 2020. And this is what the Bible gives a description of the days in which it will be when Jesus returns. So there will be a moment where Jesus returns from heaven to take those of us who have committed our heart and our life and lived out our faith biblically based on God's teaching for us that he will receive us to heaven. And then there will be some who will be left behind for a great tribulation. And the Bible actually describes what the days would look like in this moment. In Matthew 24, verse 37 through 41, on your outline, here's what it says. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Now, Noah is the Old Testament story. This is the account of Noah and the ark. Some of you remember this from, from Sunday school or children's church when you were little. Maybe you read the book, Noah took the animals two by two. He built the great big boat, loaded the animals. It started to rain, and God flooded the earth. And it was in the days of Noah a very, very deplete picture. In other words, there were a lot of things that the Bible would describe as very sinful. People's hearts were far from God. Violence, it, it just filled the earth. There was no concept or desire for a relationship with God. So people were far, far from God. And it was so bad that God said, I've got to start this thing over. And he found Noah and that they were righteous and that he loved the Lord and he was true to God. So God spared Noah and his family, told him to build an ark because destruction was coming. But in verse 38 it says, In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. In those days, in that moment, people were completely oblivious to what was going on around them. There was no concern for who God was in their life. They were doing their own thing. They were going to their banquets. They were marrying. They were living it up, throwing parties. They were successful in themselves. They were making themselves happy. They were doing their own subjective living that no matter what I think or what I feel, that's what makes me happy. Wishing for heaven. Believing that eternity was the default. But verse 39 says, People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. All of those people suddenly were brought to the realization that there is a consequence to the life that I live. That there is a consequence to the choices that I make. Because Noah was righteous and lived his life for the Lord, his life was spared. But for those who just wished for heaven and lived as if it was the default, the Bible says they were all swept away. And that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. When Jesus returns, that's the very culture that we will be living in. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. In other words, there's a separation that will take place. 
that those who have been living for the Lord, who have been watching for his return, who have been serving God faithfully, who have been living according to the very word that God gave us, because they're ready on the day in which Jesus would return, they would be received into his presence. But there will be some who live for themselves, wishing for heaven as if heaven was a default, and they will be left. And those that are left will face a great tribulation to spend their eternity away from the Lord. And so today I think about the description of what the Bible says and what does it look like in our culture today. Much of that is happening in our culture today. There's a few trends that's happening right now in our spiritual lives across our country. And it says, many statistics say that now people attend church only a few times a year or less, more than they do weekly or monthly. In other words, attendance in church is decreasing and people deciding to stay away is increasing. Number of people who would show up on a weekend on average is about one out of four Sundays a month. That people would say, I'm devoted to Christ. I'm a Christ follower. I am a part of this church and this ministry and this church family. Yet they attend and participate one Sunday a month. And my personal prayer for us has been in this season of separation that we would understand that the church is more important than you thought it was to begin with. As much as you loved it, as much as you desired to be there, as much as you uh, participated and anticipated a Sunday and coming together with those of us who have the family of God, that your heart would be even more drawn to being together than ever before. There are some of you who it took some time because you're one of four Sundays and maybe you didn't think it was that important. The Bible says that we shouldn't, that we shouldn't forsake coming together. That it's important that we corporately come together and we worship together and we serve together. And I see life change take place in you. And you see life change take place in me. And we see people for the very first time give their heart and life to Jesus. That's what Sundays are about at Cultivate Church. And my prayer for you is that you've understood the value of us coming together. But across the board in our nation, people are devaluing the reason to be in the house of God. Those who identify as Christians have declined. And those who identify as none has risen. So those who would say, I'm a Christ follower, I belong to Jesus, I follow the word of God, I live by the truths of God, that is declining in our culture. And more people are now saying, I don't identify with any specific faith, that I follow my own desire, everything is subjective, whatever makes me happy, I'm a good person. How could a good God send anyone to hell? Well, the reality is God doesn't send us there, it's a choice that we make. And so when we say that we don't identify with Jesus, when we say that we don't identify as a Christ follower, yet we anticipate heaven, we have a problem. And one of the most alarming statistics says this, some people would say now that people believe in heaven more than they believe in God. We believe that we can get the outcome, but we don't need Jesus to get there. That sure, heaven is the default. And Jesus has nothing to do with it. I call it the timeshare presentation 
promise. Have you ever been a part of a timeshare presentation? Some of you are too embarrassed to say that. You don't want anyone to know it. They work, and you're going, you're participating, or they would stop. I'm bold enough to tell you today, I've been a part of many timeshare presentations. Um, Some of you have gotten those phone calls that said, if you'll do this, and you'll listen to this, then you'll get a free vacation. Many of you hang up the phone, and you say, please take me off your mailing list. Don't call me again. Don't text me. I said, yes, I'll be glad to do that. I went to Fort Lauderdale one year to hear a timeshare presentation, and they promised me a five-star resort and then a cruise, a free cruise. And so I went to the five-star resort, and it wasn't a bad place, but across the street was a a liquor store and a strip joint. So you can kind of anticipate the part of town that this five-star resort was in. And then I did get to go on a free cruise. It was kind of like a Prius compared to an oversized SUV. Little tiny boat, but it was still free. I mean, it only cost me a few moments of listening to a timeshare presentation. They promise you the world with just little bits of investment on your part. Jen and I, a few years ago in Gatlinburg, if you've ever been to Gatlinburg and you walk down the street downtown, there's people everywhere promising you all of Gatlinburg for just a few minutes of your time in a timeshare presentation. Now, I had vowed I don't want to do that again. I don't want to sit through that long presentation. I don't want the pressure to have to buy something and me to tell them I'm not buying anything. But this person on the street, they promised us this. If you would just come and tour this brand new facility that we've built, tell us if you like the paint colors. Tell us if you like the floor. Tell us if you think it, the design is nice. Tell us if you hate it. Just give us your feedback on this brand new property, and we'll give you tickets to Dollywood. And you know, Dollywood gives you those chickens. They're like full-size chickens and, and like tubs of potato. It's awesome. You can't beat Dolly, Dollywood. It was, it was, you know, this Dixie Stampede. That's what it is, the Dixie Stampede. So we got free tickets to the Dixie Stampede, and we got cash in hand. So we go and we do tour the property, and then we are taken back, and we're set in this big room at a round table, and a salesman comes to us, and he begins to ask us about how we like the property, and we gave him our feedback, and then he tries to sell us a timeshare, to which I politely said, from the street all the way to the table, I've told every person, look, I want to be up front with you. I'm just here for the free stuff. I don't want to buy anything. Listen, if I'm here taking a timeshare presentation for free food, I don't have any business buying a timeshare. The salesman was nice enough, and he was going to let us go, but he brought in his supervisor, who was like locking horns with Hulk Hogan. He did not want to let you go. He had me in a hold and would not let me tap out. Now, I had to... I had to get ugly that day. My wife, you know, had to pray for me as we were in there. But we were not going to escape without me being just a little forceful. I mean, they were holding us down and holding us captive. They promised us the world, but said there was little to no investment needed on our part. They're selling a lie. And many of us on eternity, we are being sold a lie. We're living as though it does not matter. But the Bible teaches us very different. Here's what the Bible says about us making our trip to eternity. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 says this. You can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. Now, the Bible here gives us a description of two separate gates. One that leads to eternity with Jesus is very narrow. The highway to hell is broad And its gate is wide for the many who, underline this, choose that way. 
Remember that question we talked about earlier, the most theologically asked question, how could a good God send good people to hell? He doesn't. It's a choice that we make in the road in which we travel. I'm going to ask you today, what road are you traveling? Is it the narrow road or is it the wide road? But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. It's not an easy, get-rich-quick scheme. It's not a timeshare presentation. It's not a check this box and you're done. And then you just wish for heaven. No, it's difficult. And only a few ever find it. Why is it that it's so difficult? Why is it that way? I believe it's because right now 60% of the millennial generation says that in any situation is that they'll just be able to feel what is right. It's subjective to me. I'll feel it. I'll know it when I get there. But the Bible tells us in John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Today, I want to ask you this question. Are you wishing for heaven? Are you living as if it's the default and that there is no consequence to the life that you live? That your, your spiritual foundation doesn't really matter. Today, I want to encourage you, don't live as though heaven is the default. Don't live your life wishing for heaven. You'll never make it to eternity with Jesus living that way. Number two, maybe you're this person. Maybe you're waiting for heaven. Maybe you're someone who's just signed up, you're on the waiting list, and you're just kicked back going, I've given my heart, my life to Jesus, I prayed that prayer, I go to church, I pay my tithes, I do my thing, and now I'm just waiting for that day to get here. Luke 12, verse 35 and 36, it's also an account in the Gospels where Jesus is talking about that final days, and it says this, be dressed for service. I love the word dress because you got up, you're in preparation, you have yourself together, and you're together and prepared for service to do something. Keep your lamps burning. Don't let the light go out. Stay busy. Stay prepared. As though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. This is, this is a picture of Jesus' return. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and he knocks. I grew up watching and observing lots of people in church all over the years. And there were always small groups and small pockets of people who were real passionate about serving the Lord. They were passionate about the church. They were passionate about the things of God. And then there were some people that just seemed okay with just coasting and getting by. And when you would talk to those people, they would just say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just waiting on the return of Jesus. I'm just waiting for that day when I don't have to live here anymore or deal with this stuff. I'm waiting for that day where I don't have to face temptation or I have to deal with other people. And I'm just waiting for the day that heaven would come. And, and they're not doing anything productive with their life. They're just waiting on heaven. But waiting is dangerous because it affects what you do. When you're accepting that you've given your heart to Jesus and now you're done, well, then there's, there's, there's a lot of life on purpose missed with that form of thinking just waiting on heaven. You know, through the years, there's been 
Lots of people who have predicted uh, the return of Jesus. Um, back in the, in the early 90s, I can remember in 2000s, Harold Camping, many of you maybe can remember him, he actually predicted the return of Jesus several different times on several different dates in the 90s and in the 2000s. He was wrong every single time. I can remember Y2K. Remember the shutdown of Y2K? Everybody was so fearful that the world was going to shut down. And many people said that's the return of Jesus. And then the Mayan calendar of, of 2012. Some of you can remember them saying, hey, the calendar's run out. That's going to be the end of the world. And so many people coming out saying that was it. But I found it fascinating that in 1844, there was, there was a, a Pastor Miller who said he had it dialed in. He knew the day in which Jesus was going to return. And in history, this is one of the most uh, significant moments of someone actually prophesying the day that Jesus was going to return because the history tells us there was hundreds of thousands of followers. He may have had 100,000 followers plus that were following him, listening to him, and believing what he was saying. Now, I think it's strange because the Bible says Jesus doesn't even know the day or the hour which he would return. He's just waiting on God to say go. But this individual, this pastor said, I know the day. And 100,000 people were following him. History says these people quit their jobs. They sold all their stuff. And they just sat back and they waited on Jesus to return. They stopped living. All they were waiting on was Jesus to take them to be with him. There was no concern about people that were around them. There was no concern about people who may need to know the hope of Jesus for their own life. As a matter of fact, history says that the day that they predicted Jesus would return, they all put on white robes and they got on top of their roofs so they could get as close to Jesus as possible so that when he would return, they would be there waiting on him. And all across the country, there were people sitting on the roofs, dressed in white robes, disappointed, that Jesus didn't return. Many of us in 2020 are living that 1844 moment. We have said yes to Jesus and we have signed up for eternity. But we're just selfishly anticipating getting something for ourselves. Many of us become so selfish in our salvation that we never live life on purpose. We never graduate from Jesus as our Savior to Jesus as our Lord. Don't be selfish in your salvation. Your salvation was not so that you can just sit and wait on heaven. Not only accept Jesus as your Savior, but accept Him as your Lord. Though Jesus would have died for you if you were the only one, you're not the only one that Jesus died for. So it's important to remember that Jesus gave His life for so many who are around us. Don't waste that incredible sacrifice that Jesus gave so that you could receive him and know him and to live again and live beyond. Don't get selfish in your salvation and just wait for heaven. And the number three, this is where I want us all to be. Maybe you're one of those people that you're, you're wishing for heaven. Maybe you're waiting on heaven. But today I want us to all be working for heaven working for it. Not to gain it by the works that we do, but to do exactly what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 35 and 36. says this, he says, no, I apologize, Luke 12, 42 and 43. And the Lord replied, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give responsibility. A faithful servant is one that can be given 
responsibility. Underline that word responsibility. The responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. And if the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a, underline this word, a reward. If Jesus can entrust us with responsibility, that we're not just wishing and we're not just waiting, but we are working. We are living our lives on purpose. If we are faithful with what he has given to us, if we can be entrusted with it, and that we can give a return on the investment, there is a reward coming, and that reward is a life in eternity with Jesus. That that road that many people don't want to travel because it's hard. We'd rather just wish for heaven, or we'd rather just accept it and then just wait on the day that Jesus would come and take us home, and it's all about me. But instead, we need to work for it. We need to be busy knowing that you have a story to share. You have a salvation to share. And so I ask you this question, are you waiting today or are you working? Don't be someone simply waiting, wishing. Be someone who is working. Heaven grows only when we obey Jesus and we go. Your salvation moment is your greatest message. Heaven grows when we would do what Jesus said and we go. Jesus said, go into all of the earth and make disciples. And your salvation moment is the best message that you could share. I can remember being a kid and loving show and tell. Uh, loving when people would come and they would share personal things about their own life because you don't always get that. You don't get to know that. But being on the other end, something that you could bring in, something that you were passionate about and, and you were excited about and you wanted other people to know that it was a part of your life, it's, it's like something that you enjoyed that's maybe weird and you find somebody else that enjoys that as well. I mean, you can find people all day that likes sports and that likes coffee, but when I find an individual that doesn't like sports or doesn't like coffee, I'm like, I'm not the only one. You too, we can talk about this. We can bond over something that we share in common. People are watching your life. Don't be selfish with your salvation. Share it. Take the message of what God has done for you and give it away. Put it on display. Show and tell what he's done for you. Don't be passively saved. Be passionately saved. Don't be passive in your salvation. Be passionate in your salvation. Don't wish. Don't wait. Work for heaven. Today, heaven is a reality. Heaven is a promise to those who give their heart and their life to Jesus. And we live our life faithfully together. So today, in just reflection, are you someone who's wishing? And you just think heaven is the default you don't really know if you have a relationship with Jesus or if you don't. You don't really know if you trust the Bible as the foundation of the truth or if you don't. Maybe we're buying into the lie that our heart will just show us which way to go and what to do. Maybe you're one who goes to the funerals and just thinks that's it and everybody spends eternity wherever they want to be. Maybe you're in here today and and you found yourself, you can remember the moment you said yes to Jesus and you meant it in your heart. You count yourself as a Christ follower. You count yourself as someone who, who loves the Lord. But maybe you don't see a lot of work, a lot of productivity, a lot of return on the investment that Jesus has made in your life. And I want to encourage you today, stop waiting. 
start working. At Cultivate Church, we're so passionate. Around here, that's why we love Sundays. That's why we love giving our lives away. That's why in a time like this, it's so difficult that we can't be together and we can't do what we're so passionate about doing. Because the Bible tells us that to much who's been given, much is required. And I don't know about you today, but God has given me so much. He's given me an opportunity to come alive and to live again, to live it out and to live beyond, to live for eternity. And today I want to give you an opportunity. If you haven't said yes to Jesus before and you've just been wishing for heaven, today's your day to make a decision to say yes to him. And maybe you're listening today, you're watching, and you're saying, well, if I'm honest, I've just been waiting, not doing a lot of work or productivity in my life, and I want to stop. I want to give everything I have to make a difference in this life. And I want to start serving. I want to start giving. And I want to start working for heaven. I want to do what Jesus said. I want to go. And I want to make heaven a bigger place. I want to go to heaven. I anticipate it. I look forward to it. But I want to take everybody with me. So let's pray together. Father, what a great day. Father, thank you for this word today. I pray for every person watching and listening right now. I pray if there's one person today that does not have a personal relationship with you, we pray right now that you would just forgive us of any sin that's in our life. We all have sinned, and we know that that's a separation. There will be one standing and one left. Father, you will take one and leave the other. It's, it's all about the sin that's in our life. It separates us. So, Father, forgive us for that. Jesus, today we commit our life to you. We put you number one in your proper place, and we thank you for loving us the way that you do. We give you this day to give you our heart and to give you our life. We'll be different from this day forward because of you. And Father, I pray for all of my friends who may just be waiting. We've gotten complacent. Maybe we've gotten lazy. Maybe we've become selfish in our salvation. Today, we're not going to live that way anymore. Give us all such a passion for what you've done in our heart. Father, if we've been passive, give us that passion so that we can work for heaven. We can take everybody with us to make heaven all that you have dreamed for it to be. You've given us a responsibility. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. And with every person still reverent for the Lord, I want to tell you, if you said yes to Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to let us know so we can celebrate with you and pray for you. There's an email address listed there. There's, there's a, a link in the comments. Click that. Let us know of the decision that you made today because we want to pray for you. We want to send you some next steps. And so, Father, right now, I pray blessing. God, I pray that your favor would rest on every person as we step out of this moment and we say yes to you to work for heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It is our hope that you are able to meet with the presence of the Lord. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, there's an email on your screen or click the link in the chat below and let us know about that decision. We'd love to send you some information on some next steps that you can take and let you know that you're not in this journey alone. We'll walk that journey with you. And if you call Cultivate Church home and like to continue in your worship and your giving, there's ways on the screen for you to be able to do so. And we just want to thank you for being such a generous church. Your generosity has made a huge impact all over the community and all over the world during this time. And just want to remind you that social distancing does not mean we need to isolate ourselves from anyone or anything. Pick up the phone this week, call someone, text them, check on them and see how they're doing. We're not meant to do life alone and we're much better together. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today and we'll see you again next week.